Well, good morning. Good morning. Great to see everyone this morning. I, I don't know how your week has gone. I, I, I had an interesting week this last week. I, I won't go into the details of it, except to say I've had some things happen this last week in, in my 60-something-plus years of living. Never had happened to me before. 24 years of living here in Arizona. Never had happened to me before, but it happened this week. Went hiking, won't get into the details, first time ever, had a dog attack me on Monday. First time, now I've, had, I've been chased, I used to run a lot. And when you go running, especially you live, you live in the country like I did, or in, even in the cities, but especially in the country when the dogs are out, you, you carry a rock with you, you just have a pretty good size one, I'm a pretty good shot, so you just do that and you know, okay, you may get chased. But hiking's a different thing, right? You assume the people you're out there hiking with have got control of their animal, for one thing. But this situation wasn't that. The person didn't have it under control. And I won't get into what I told them, because I might have to confess to you. No. But as the dog, and it's a small dog, so I can't give some big, like, heroic thing here. It was a small dog, but with big teeth. As it jumped towards me, and it did, I put my arm up, its teeth hit my watch. So the Iron Man watch is worth something, okay? It's $39.99 at Walmart, but it's worth more than that, apparently, I guess. And I just said to the young lady, that won't work. <laughs> that is unacceptable. <laughs> what else do you say at that point? I mean, those are the words, because I found out the next day when I drove to Target... Apparently, my driving's not real good because I had a note left on my windshield explaining how bad of a driver I am. And they described my character, I guess, from their perception in very explicit details. And just go, man, each day's an adventure, isn't it? Each day you get up, and your hope is by the end of that day, at least for me, I will be a little bit different. I told Allie, and I think told Jan, I said, when I got the note, I, I know when I got that note, and, and I have no clue because I was only in Target for maybe five, seven minutes at the most, at the most. So I'm assuming the people may still be sitting in the parking lot after the note they wrote to me because they had to write it, and then put it on my windshield. I'm assuming. So I just got out of my truck and just kind of looked to the east, <laughs> to the north, and I just kept looking, just smiling. And what I told, I said, but then I realized I'm probably just confirming how big of a jerk I really am, right, <laughs> by just smiling at them. But, I, but what I, the reason I was smiling going, they don't realize I'm a pastor, and I'm just looking for illustrations all the time. <laughs> and all they did was just help me. So I didn't, there was nothing about that that ruined my day. And so I'm just thankful, whoever's out, if you're listening right now, if you're the one that put that on there, I doubt you are, I'm guessing, but thank you. That's all I can tell you. Last week I shared with you a little bit about 
why I preach the way I preach, why I'm passionate about certain things and how I let that, I let that kind of wane at times. And, and, and unfortunately, that happens along the way to all of us, I guess. But, but, but there's certain things that you get reminded of along the way and go, I'm going to step back into that. I, I, not just the fact that, hey, I, I, hey I, 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 I feel obligated to. No, that's the way when I live in that window of not being hopefully blind, ignorant, or silent. As a watchman for the kingdom, a watchman for my family, a watchman for my marriage, a watchman over this church, a watchman. I am the most fulfilled when I do that, as I'm led by the Spirit. Now, if I do it on my own, and I try, that's a whole different deal. Or I just decide I'm too tired to do it. I don't mean just one day. I'm talking about for a season. I look up and, man, a lot of seasons gone by. So as I was preparing for this week, just reminded again of just how difficult it is to be on alert, be self-controlled and alert, because the enemy devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for those to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Remembering that your brothers and sisters around the world are coming under the same kind of persecution. So I'm assuming this week you also were challenged in areas. I'm assuming this week you were also tempted in areas. I'm assuming this week what you had planned didn't go quite like you thought it was going to unfold. And if it did... God bless you. But if it did, I have a feeling you may have been more reserved than you should have been. You may have been more, what's the right word, conservative, and I'm not talking politically, instead of leaning in to what the Lord may have for you. Now, again, neither one of those stories I just shared with you did I look at and think, man, I'm on a mission for God. I'm going to hike this mountain. Never crossed my mind I'm on a mission for God. Now, does God speak to me, I believe, when I'm doing my hiking? Yes. But especially my trip to Target did not seem like a kingdom adventure, okay? <laughs> so I'm not trying to imply that. I'm just saying in our everyday life, in a moment, things can move on you. And how prepared are you? I, I, yeah, am I glad my arm is quick enough? Yeah, am I glad I wear a watch? Yes. Because if that dog bites me, which there was a great chance of that happening because, it's, I mean, it was wide open and hit my watch. That dog has to go potentially get put down. I'm not saying it would, but it's potential. Nehemiah 4. 7 through 16. I love Nehemiah. I love Nehemiah. Just right out of the chute, I'm not going to read it here, but you can go back and read it. Just, just Nehemiah, when he heard that the walls of Jerusalem had broken down, when he got the report, and he's, he's, got, his own, he, he's got his own prestigious place. Okay, he, he's fine. 
But when he hears that Jerusalem is in the tatters that it's in, he broke down and he wept and he prayed and he fasted. Then he moves. I love his midnight ride, and we can talk about that another time. When he went out into the city and looked at the walls and evaluated it. But as we talked about last week, kind of going, okay, what, what's kind of the basis for why we do what we do here at Renovation? I do believe in the watchman concept. The second part of that is, I love Nehemiah. If I looked at a leader, and, and of course there's a lot, and so I've, I've got to be careful here, but Nehemiah, one of the, the scripturally greatest leaders. Six times the enemy had come to hinder their work. And I love this passage of scripture, Nehemiah 4, 17 through 15. But when Sambalat Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against them. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies, before, uh, also the enemy said, before they, know, before they know it or see us, we will be right among them, and we will kill them and put an end to this work. Then the G- Jews who lived near then came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Have you ever felt like in the last few years that everything seems to be a fear-based? <sighs> Wherever you turn, they're going to get you. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points at the wall, at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Watchmen. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. A few things I'm going to point out here, but one I'm going to camp on. Fear, I just hate living a fear-based life. (sighs) We sing that song, I speak Jesus, but we, we speak over fear, anxiety, depression. And we understand there's real reasons why people get there. 
I, I understand that I've lived it. I've lived it in the last little bit. I understand that. But I'm telling you, I do not want to live in fear. And somebody continue to beat the drum, oh, ten times over, or wherever you turn, you will get attacked. And he just stands up and says, hey, guys, remember the Lord. He is powerful and awesome. Remember. But don't just remember. Find the exposed places. Again, I'm not going to cap out on it. But the only way this works is as a community. This doesn't work what Nehemiah is saying by you lone ranger go over here, you lone ranger go over there, you lone ranger go over there. No, the only way this works is as a group of people committed to the Lord's work. I think one of the places it starts is with our own lives. Where are you the weakest? Where's your lowest point? If, I, if you really had to take, and we, of course, obviously, I'm gonna, we talk about it here, or not obviously, if you've not been here, we have talked about this multiple, multiple, multiple times over the years, and uh, there's a great chance we're going to talk about it in the next few weeks, but it's a blind spot. That area that you cannot see without other people's help. But then there's areas that you know that keep tripping you up. And and, and what's interesting is there are certain things that trip us up at times that others would not even look at as a sin. They go, oh, that's, that's all you got? Oh, let me show you what I got. But it's real, and it keeps tripping you up. And it keeps, there's this regret part of it in your life that you keep coming back to. And the problem with the exposed places, if they're not identified, the enemy will attack those places. If you're not careful, they'll become strongholds. And before you know it, the enemy will go almost unopposed. Because you believe you're always going to have it. And so you just give in. It's one reason it's so hard. You know, I gave my life to Christ for some crazy reason. When I gave my life to Christ in 1986, I thought the job had been done. I didn't realize that the job was just starting. 
Any amens to any? It's just starting. <laughs> I mean, it's like somebody giving you cash to go renovate your house. And that's going to be a terrible illustration, but I'm going to give it to you anyway because I'm making it up as I go here. But somebody give you cash to go renovate your house, and you go, man, I've got the cash, and I've got it paid for, and you go, the job's done. Because I've got, it's all paid for. No matter what I do, it's all paid for. But if you've ever renovated a house, the job has just started. (laughs) Even though it's been paid for, the work is just starting. And what's crazy is you'll do a renovation job and you'll get to live in that renovation for a little bit and guess what? Here he comes again. Now we're going to do another renovation. Come on, God. Don't you know that I'm way ahead of everybody else? Look at me. And the enemy whispers. That's good enough. The goal was heaven. Oh, don't let them, especially those Nazarenes, talk about holiness. Don't let them, don't don't believe that somewhere along the way that Christ's likeness was the goal. And over time, if we believe that, we get lazy, we get civilized, (laughs) we become blind, ignorant, and silent. So what do we do? I think the first thing, and and again, you've heard some of this before. Uh, If you say, hey, every time I come here, he preaches on that, then you're coming about every five years, so so come more often. Just come more often. Okay, that's all I'm asking. One is we got to identify the unacceptable. I think that one of the hardest things has been for me is to is to get distracted easy. Did you know we live in a world where there's a lot of distractions? One of them you carry around in your pocket most of the time, I'm going to guess. Probably the biggest distraction that we've, one of the easiest ones we've ever had. If you're not looking for it, it'll come looking for you, Right? <laughs> If you're not searching out, something will come searching for you. And it seems harmless because in many ways it's amoral, right? Whether it's on InstaTalk or Facegram, whatever it is, you know. It's easy. 
But, oh, if I'm not even on any of those, it's easy to look up something. And, boy, when you look it up once, they're going to send you information to look it up 500 other times, right? Do you know you can buy land in West Virginia pretty cheap, just so you know? Because <laughs> I keep getting ads for it. Because <laughs> I looked up land in Arkansas. <laughs> Here's my point. Oh, you got a little bit of interest. It's amoral, right? But before you know it, you didn't even have time to get in the Word that day because you spent an hour chasing. And again, I'm not saying don't use it, but it just becomes easier to be acceptable to what we let get in. And one of the things that becomes acceptable for us most of the time is the things we're going to do in the future. I'm going to do that later. You know the problem with the future? When the future gets here, it, uh, gets here it's now. And it's no longer in the future. Now there is a future. And, and it's easy to go, well, if, I, know if, I don't know if that's making sense. And then when it gets to now, we're either looking backwards or we're looking forwards again. And what we've been believing that we'll do in the future never gets done. The changes we need to make, the, can, the things that we believe are unacceptable, that, yeah, I shouldn't be doing that right now. And again, it's amoral. Most of us will look at it and go, that doesn't, wouldn't bother. Why, why are you worried about that? Because it's distracting me. And it's keeping me. Now, I don't want to make this about me, but you know what I'm saying. Because if... I'm distracted, then there's a great chance whatever I'm leading is distracted, and whatever I'm watching as the watchman over is not going to be watched over at its fullest potential. We talked about over this whole time of COVID. The disturbance and the disruption that has come into our lives. It's been pretty overwhelming and almost we've gotten used to it. You know, we as a church, when COVID really began to be this crisis, we knew what to do as a church. And what I mean by that is we knew to lean into our values, the convictions we have here, who, who we are. We leaned into those really hard. We tried to figure out ways on trans, uh, transformation and community. We wrote, staff will tell you, we, we made four phone calls that we had made in all of our life and we, week after week after week after week and note after note after note or whatever it would be. And, you know, we would be checking on people. We were building community. We were sending funds. The, the board stepped in and we just said, I, we don't know where we're going to be financially later, but we're not going to worry about that now. We're just going to continue to send funds. We knew what to do, but then it kept going. And it just kept going, and that was okay in the crisis, and we knew what to do for six months, eight months. And then you get into early 2021 going, oh, well, we know what. Oh, we're about out of this, and we're... And you're just going, I, I don't know. Oh, we all still believed in Jesus, 
okay? We're not saying that. But it just kept wearing on us. This disruption. And then we watch around in our, in our lives and in our government and things of that nature, uh, inconsistencies, if you will, and, 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 and so we don't even really know where to land on things, and so there's just this spinning of uncertainty. And we almost, if we're not careful, forget the things we are certain of. Instead of coming back to those, the uncertainty begins to be the watch word and song. <laughs> and that uncertainty brings fear. And when you operate as fear, you're on defense all the time. You're really never on offense. And your defense is probably not very good. And you just sit around waiting for the next thing to happen. Anybody that's ever played sports with me, especially basketball, knows I hate defense. And what I mean by that is, I, want, I, I love the, if, if basketball was only defense, I probably would have never played it. But I love the offensive part of it. But if we're not careful, the only thing we will be doing when you're backed into a corner and you're cowering is playing defense. I think the kingdom is to advance. The kingdom of God is advancing and forceful Men and women, take hold of it. I didn't just make that up. And I'm confessing to him as your lead pastor. I was as guilty and have been as anybody in the indecisiveness. Many of you know I worked, those who are behind the scenes know I worked hard to try to figure out Understanding of COVID, understanding of where, where we should land, understanding of even going through 2020 and, the, and, and, and our time of understanding more about our race relations in our, in our culture and how we can help move that forward and try, even into a political season, trying to lift and walk that out. I spent that time there, but man alive, it costs too, doesn't it? And I'm so glad that if we really just go back to our convictions, as I talked about last week in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, 5, when Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica, he said, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit in your deep convictions that we saw the work. Deep conviction. I mean, I'm glad culturally that we have deep convictions about certain things that we all agree on, like, okay, don't drive 100 miles an hour in a 65-mile-an-hour zone. Most of us say it's not a good, I mean, 99% of us say it's not a good idea. There's certain things that we all, I mean, I, I, I think about it sometimes when I'm driving 
to work. I drive in a lot of traffic at times. And you just watch this dance that's happening on the interstate. Have you ever really thought about that? We don't know those people over there. We don't know their politics. We don't know their lifestyle. We don't know. But we're hoping and praying we all kind of have the same convictions about this. (laughs) It makes society work. It it just does. And and thank goodness about some of those kind of things. And I know it's an oversimplification, but I think when you have a conviction about something, it's knowledge that's settled. You have a hard time ever compromising it, ever ever compromising that conviction. When you have a conviction about it, not just, oh, I got a conscience. Yeah, I think right or wrong, or my conscience says, eh, maybe not this time, but yeah, maybe this time. But I'm talking about a conviction. It's knowledge that's settled makes it hard to compromise it then. And I'm just not sure we have enough convictions to go back to. Go back to and when it's kind of wishy-washy, it, it's hard to go back. It's kind of talk when I teach shooting or whatever I, in, in basketball. We want to teach the fundamentals. I'm convicted of, I'm convicted of these certain fundamentals because when I go into a slump, I know what to go back to. I mean, the conviction in our culture... That sin is not real? Give me a problem. I can point you to sin. (laughs) You've heard me say a thousand times here. If sin had a job description, it would be separation. Separation from God, separation from others, separation from my divine purpose. That's its only purpose. And when the enemy knows how to do that, then in the exposed places, if we don't have a conviction that sin is real and sin is the root, we'll end up calling it something else. Of course, none of us won't shame, but guilt's different. Godly guilt leads me to righteousness. Transformation. I love sharing. I've hardly done it at all here. Maybe once or twice in nine years. Shared exactly how I came to Christ. I've shared a little piece here, a little piece there. But really the whole journey of that year or six months to a year where I came to Christ and changed my life. That's really immaterial in some ways. Even though there were some crazy things that happened in there. What I can say to you and I have a conviction of is the day I gave my life to Christ, it changed everything. Changed everything. I thought the work was done. Didn't know it was just beginning. But there's a conviction about that. That God can take, if you knew what things were being whispered in my ear and the things that were being said to me, based on sin, honestly, uh, but the things the enemy was saying to me in those moments and, in, and just even what he was saying to me before I, gave my, before I submitted to start preaching, the things he was saying to me, if I accepted those things, 
I can guarantee you, Jane and I would not have stayed married. Because she wouldn't have put up with me, not the other way around. That's just a fact. But when he transformed me, he transformed our marriage. He transformed me as a father. Just getting in, awesome. But the work's just starting. And one of the pieces of that, as time goes on, is God's going to challenge you to identify the exposed places. One of mine was alcohol. And again, like I told you last week, you can have your own convictions about mine is conviction about alcohol. An enormous conviction of my 10 years of, of, of that being a part of my life. But also now, especially now 30-something more years, interfacing with people's lives based on that. Not only my own family. But, but, but if, you, if you're not careful and you don't know the context of why my conviction is there. And again, I'm not here to judge anybody else on that part. I'm telling you why I have it. It's not based on legalism. It's not based on those. It's based on the fact that God put it in my heart that you cannot be a stumbling block. And I believe with all my heart, the scripture says, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, and I found out at that time, I thought it was just my kids, and I found out later, little ones literally means those who are not as far along in their faith as you. And it's better to have a millstone hung around your neck and dropped in the bottom of the ocean than do this. And again, everybody's got their own conviction. But that's why I have a conviction around that, and it's not legalism. As I said last week, and I I appreciate hearing it this way, I don't stand with people who will not drink, and that's great. I, I do stand with them, but I stand with people who cannot drink, which is a whole different way of looking at it. And that's not, I'm not putting that on you, but it gives you context. And I believe you need to be consistent in your convictions. Because I believe when we're consistent in our convictions, and again, I I could talk about today the Wesley quasi-quadrilateral, how I believe I end up at truth, and how Wesleyans end up at truth. I I don't don't have time to talk about that today, maybe another time in the next few weeks. But I think people around you are trying to make sense of reality, what's going on around us. And I think when you have convictions that are consistent, it begins to help people figure out how to walk this thing out, especially your children. I'm going to tell you, parents. Last week I just got on to the men. Now, I'm not trying to get on to anybody. I wasn't trying to get on to anybody last week. And I noticed some people are not here. So God bless you. Now, and I, and I understand that. But please be consistent in front of your children and away from your children. They're trying to make sense of reality. They're trying to make sense of this whole thing. And you over here, over there, and you wonder. Again, thank goodness. Thank goodness. We're all free moral agents, if you will. We'll find our own path, and hopefully we'll find other people that were consistent. But I just want to challenge parents here. or friend. Anybody that's got a friend, I want to challenge you. 
If you don't have a friend, then this message is not for you. But if you do, the world needs to see a consistency. And they don't need to see a consistency of fear. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind or self-control or self-discipline, whatever word, whatever you want to put in there. Nehemiah 4, 16 through 18. From that day on, half my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. Many of you in here know where I'm going with this. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. I love that image. A tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. You need to know how to fight. And somebody will take that out of context and put it out there, like I said, on face talk, talk or whatever. In the spiritual realm, we know how, need to know how to fight. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly realm. That sounds woo. I get it. I'm just quoting scripture. I don't know this week if anything that happened to me had anything to do with the spiritual realm. Just wrong place, wrong time. I don't know. But I don't think someday, I think someday we're going to find out maybe a little more about all this. I'm just guessing. But what I've got to do every day is be prepared to go into that. And I unfortunately have bad news. For most of us, it won't be just one thing. It'll be a full-fledged campaign in every area of our life. It won't just be, well, if I can just get this right. Oh, it's looking at all of it. And I would just say this. If you want to be further down the road than you currently are, quit looking for the shortcut. Most people quit when it gets hard. And one of the biggest challenges, and I'm going to say to some of your parents, don't grow weary in doing good. Singles, don't grow weary in doing good. We get it. We can't do this alone. We need the community. I don't know how all that looks. I won't know all my exposed places, if you will, by myself.
I've done things over the years that until I decide, nothing really ever happens because I don't know about you, but we all have people who've talked about doing things for way too long and you get tired of listening to them. Decisiveness brings power. Clarity brings power. I wish our government understood that clarity brings power. Decisiveness brings power. I mean, I'm going to live an example. Two months ago, two and a half months ago, I, I, I'd lost 22 pounds. I decided to gain the weight back. Now I've gained 30 back. <laughs> Way too much decisiveness, okay? <laughs> but it was decision. Even if there was a point I needed to stop. But way bigger than that. When we sing this song, I speak Jesus. I'm going to ask Josiah to come on up as we close. As we go out of here. I'm asking the Lord to bring this conviction to my mind and my heart. One, of being in the Word so the Word comes first. When I'm in a situation, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is not some curse word and leaving a note on somebody's you know, windshield or anything along that line. But I did, as soon as that happened, I, 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 I did begin to pray for them. Because anyone that does that I'm not saying I didn't do something wrong. I, I may have. There's a great chance I did. I mean, there is a chance. I don't think a great chance because I tried to figure out what it would have been. But somebody's hurting. That's the thing. I mean, you may have a person at work that you don't trust. You think they're... Maybe they've done things and handled things the way that you, and you just can't stand them and you don't want any part of them. And your prayer is, Lord, change them. And that's a great prayer. But what if you also pray at the same time, Lord, change me? The greater miracle may be that I can love them and do whatever, whether you ever change them or not. Just as great a miracle. Because I'm advancing. Because if I only pray for their transformation, if I only pray for that, and that's good, and you want the kingdom, but I can be a part of the advancement. I know in this circumstance, I can be a part. As I look, as, as I look to the government of our country, I hope you're praying. Not only for there to have godly leadership, but Lord, whether I ever line up with ideology or whether I ever line up with whatever, Lord, I can be different because I can love that person no matter what. What a miracle because I, I can be a part of this instead of waiting around for them to jump in on it. Just one way we can advance the kingdom. Because what happens when we do that, the enemy exposes a weak spot in us and we become cynical. We become gossipy. We become angry. 
when it's time to be standing up straight. We become fearful. Oh, I don't mean don't be wise. But look what it's doing to you. There's no advancement. The enemy got in. He got you. And you may be right on everything you're speaking. But you've shifted all of it to somebody else. When this whole kingdom thing started for me, and it obviously started since I was born, I guess, and all the way up, but especially the day I kind of came to the realization that I'm supposed to step into it. I don't think I wish the work had been all done that day because look what I had missed, would have missed. But one of the habits over this last 10 days whether praying for my own family or praying for others, it's just this thought and this song has been there. Again, I'm, some of you are not into songs. I get that. But I hope you're into Jesus. <laughs> and I speak Jesus over this circumstance. Because that person who wrote that note to me, I have no clue in context to what's going on in their life. But I believe I serve a God who is awesome and great, as Nehemiah said. He knows their name. And if I pray into the spiritual world, in the spiritual realm, supernaturally, who knows what God can do? Because I decided to be different in reflection of who he is, the best I know how. little cocky, smiling, I get it. <laughs> I almost regret that now. Won't you stand with us as we sing? And as we get out of here today. We're going to continue over these next many weeks, kind of going back over some things we've gone over. It'll look a little different. But maybe for some of you, it'll help you a little in context of why we're even here at Renovation Church why we do what we do. Lord, help us now as we speak your name in song. And Lord, I pray right now either one, we identify exposed places in our own lives or we surround ourselves with people we trust enough that will help us. But Lord, I also, as I was just even my own heart and mind here. I pray that you would give us a face right now of someone who may be the most annoying, the most unforgiving, even the most nefarious. Don't let me be changed because of their actions. Let me be part of the advancement. Because the kingdom of God is advancing. And forceful men and women take hold of it. Help us today, Lord, to be the people in our culture that, that, that our culture needs. Lord, that we would be the leader we would want to follow. 
instead of just critiquing people because they're not leading well enough. That we are becoming those people that we ourselves would follow. But let us be a church that's a light that's not hidden under a basket. We thank you today, Lord, for your word that reminds us that you are awesome and great and powerful. Let us walk in it. We pray this in your name, Jesus, as we sing it. Amen.